So Money episode 513, 2016, year in review, your health and wealth. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, and we are almost at the end of 2016. What a year it's been, really. For those of you who celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a very, very happy holiday. Tim and I and Evan enjoyed our last Christmas as a family of three. Oh, before we welcome our newest family member, in just a few months time. So lots of exciting things on our 2017 calendar. Many of you are on vacation this week and I'm hoping we'll be taking some time to rest and relax. We're heading into our second week now of the So Money year-end highlights. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Today's topic is your health and your wealth. Lots of correlation between staying physically and mentally healthy and your bottom line. 2016 was a very popular year to talk about sleep. And the first episode we're going to revisit is with Ariana Huffington, episode 435, one of my favorite interviews. She is the author, as you know, of The Sleep Revolution, and this year made headlines when she left the Huffington Post to start Thrive Global, a corporate and consumer well-being and productivity platform. She's a huge advocate for sleep, thinks it's actually the most important factor to being able to be successful both at work and in your personal life. She, in fact, calls not sleeping the new smoking. Take a listen. Well, we are really living under this collective delusion that in order to succeed and achieve, we need to burn out and to sacrifice sleep. And it is simply a delusion. We are a little bit... um, in a way, in in the same situation that we were regarding smoking in the 1950s and 60s, when people still glamorized smoking in the movies, you had doctors, literally doctors in the 1960s on television advertising cigarettes. I just watched one saying, I smoke mentals because it refreshes my throat. Hmm. And uh, we are in a similar moment where there is a cultural shift happening, but as is often the case in any cultural shift, multiple behaviors are coexisting. So you have the people who are still bragging about how little sleep they got, and you have employers congratulating employees for working 24-7, which is the uh, cognitive equivalent of coming to work drunk. Um, But at the same time, you have more and more CEOs coming out saying, I need sleep to make wise decisions for the company, like Jeff Bezos is saying, I need eight hours sleep. And if I make fewer decisions, but they're 5% better, that's much better for Amazon. And you have many brands, hotels, sleep, uh, hotels, um, airlines uh, using sleep service as a competitive advantage. So the shift is happening. The shift is happening. Sometimes you don't see the rewards of sleep at a corporate level 
quickly. I mean, that's the fear, right? Is like if I'm JetBlue and I'm going to start incorporating more sleep allowances for my employees, you, you know, maybe Virgin is not doing that and they're going to get a leg up, at least in the short run. How do you reconcile the shift to sleep more when in the meantime, it may mean taking a step back to, in, in order to doesn't. be more productive? It doesn't mean a step back. That's why I structured the book so that people could, first of all, understand the crisis and the price individuals and companies are paying for uh, devaluing and scorning sleep, and then have a whole section on the latest scientific findings about sleep that make it absolutely clear that getting enough sleep improves your productivity. So um, companies would see the result immediately. And that's where we have a major company like Aetna that recently introduced financial incentives. Yes. Up to $300 for people who get seven hours of sleep or more. Now, that is like a huge turning point uh, because the reason they did it is not just because they care about the health of their employees, but because they made the connection between employees who get enough sleep and what happens to the bottom line in terms of reducing healthcare costs and um, and improving productivity. Right. Similar to how companies are in, uh, having new wellness programs. If you join a gym or you, you know, um, go onto a weight loss plan, that will actually mean maybe some bonuses for you or some exactly. financial benefits. There's nothing better than a financial benefit sometimes to get people motivated. But, you know, there's a cost to being able to afford yourself the sleep sometimes. And critics say that, you know, being able to sleep more, having eight hours of sleep, it's a luxury that some can't afford. Do you think that's a fair statement? No, absolutely not. Because actually, um, I would say that the more uh, challenging your life, the more... Um, difficult circumstances, the harder you are struggling to uh, put food on the table, the more you need your resilience. And um, sleep deprivation affects your resilience uh, immediately. Um, you are less able to deal with challenges. You are less creative about finding shortcuts through problems. And um, you have more... Um, likelihood of uh, becoming depressed or anxious and all these aspects of your mental health that affect how you function and how you deal with difficult circumstances. So sleep is not just for those who can afford um, to have support and, um, and um, we see actually that sleep deprivation is a crisis across our whole society, whether it's those at the top uh, who are struggling with multiple demands on their time and and they have forgotten how to say no and how to set boundaries uh, in terms of the use of technology and also um at the among the people who are most struggling in our society in fact i had um, a clinic in a harlem church and um i talked to a lot of people who are precisely um, the demographic you are describing. And what was really sad was that they were completely unaware of the importance of sleep and that they were prioritizing, say, watching TV for four hours and mm -hmm. falling asleep with the TV on and then going to the 
kitchen to get something sweet when they woke up in the middle of the night because they couldn't go back to sleep. And and then they were wondering why they were in their 30s and diabetic. And uh, there's so much, um, there's such a great need for raising awareness about the importance of sleep. I also got into this a bit with another So Money guest on the show this year, sleep coach Christine Hansen, episode 457. She and I discuss how sleep really is so different for everyone and why we're seeing this shift and really understanding the importance of getting some shut-eye. I always say, if it's not medical, sleep is really for everyone as unique as your fingerprint. So there's so many different things that can affect it. And the thing, the way I explain it is that if you are someone who has a lot of trouble sleeping, you cannot control sleep, which I think is what infuriates you so because you want to sleep sometimes and you just can't. And sleep is really something you cannot just grab it and say, okay, I I put it on myself and it will work. You know, even with sleep medicine, like sleeping pills, it will not give you the same effect. So if you look at it like a puzzle, the mold has to really fit in order to to have the, the piece of the puzzle really match it really well. And in order to do that, you kind of have to do different things. So I always start with inner work. Usually I always start from the inside and see what's been going on. Is it something, is it really FOMO is very often the case. Are you stressed about something? Is it something, maybe a perception that have you, that you have about sleep? Like a lot of people don't like sleeping. They feel really uncomfortable because they kind of lose control. So it can be from an anxious point of view. It can also be something like lots of people have all of these thoughts racing in like at 3am, especially if they wake up, you know, you have this, this, this wave of thoughts crashing down on you. And then we look at what these thoughts are. Can we do something about them? And then you have lots of exterior factors. It can be, it can be related to your nutrition. It can be related to your hydration, to your movement, to how you live to what your environment looks like or what your work environment looks like. So it's really a lot of profiling is, is connected to all of this. And it's really interesting. It's very, very interesting. Well, so it's, it's, it, yeah, I think, and what your work um, is probably getting a lot of um, even a heightened interest now with there's a lot of discussion globally now for the first time in a long time, I think happening around the importance of sleep. We've gone so long without it. And it's been something that I think a lot of us wear as a badge of honor. You know, I only need four hours of sleep. I can get off with just five hours of sleep. And I used to envy those people because I can't do that. And I wished I could, but what happened in our culture where suddenly we thought we stopped and said, wait a minute, this isn't actually very healthy. What, why is the paradigm shifting? So I think you have a couple of like sleep evangelists like Ariana Huffington, who you had on your show. And I think she's doing a tremendous job on, on doing that on waking people up to sleep. And also, I think that we are slowly starting to hit a wall where, you know, numbers can't lie. We have so much burnout going on. Or what also something that is called bored out is a new thing, like where people are bored out of their minds because they they aren't interested in anything anymore because they're also tired. And I think we all start going back to looking at ourselves, whether it is through sleep, whether it is through healthier nutrition. And you can see that every 
even like strict business magazines start to have more and more articles about how you as a human have to be fit in order to produce the best results you can. And sleep is just something that you cannot neglect if you look at yourself, at your body, at your physical and at your mental health and, and speed and cleverness and everything is connected. So I think that's why sleep is suddenly starting to, to come back into, into the discussion because it, there's just so much science and research and facts that also tell you, look, it's not clever what you're doing. And in the end, that's what is interesting for people. Am I clever enough? Am I producing the results? Am I making enough money in the end? Is my relationship working? And if you look at yourself, sleep is always, it's one of the most important factors in there. Burnouts are becoming so prevalent nowadays, right? And speaking of this constant need to be always on, I caught up with life coach Christine Hassler earlier this year, episode 420. Gotta be one of my all-time favorite episodes and quite the therapy session for me. She had this really incredible quote about being busy and taking time to celebrate our achievements. Along the same vein of making sure we get the sleep we need in order to be our best selves, we also need to be more in the moment, she says. Being grateful and taking time to acknowledge our gratitude for where we are is so key. So let's take a look back at my favorite excerpt from the interview with Christine Hassler. Can people stop asking other people, so what's next for you? Because it's, uh, you know, that it's part of our dialogue. It's part of, especially you live in New York. How many times a week I get asked that question? So Farnoosh, what's the end game for you? What's next? Are you working on another book? I'm like, no, people. Can we just enjoy <laughs> the fact that I've had a really busy year? And if that's not enough for you, I guess I'll go make an, an online course then. <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh. I so, you are speaking my language. I we do not celebrate enough in this culture. We really do not celebrate what we are doing right now. And I, I busyness has become this badge of honor and we've become these human, human doings rather than human beings. And this expectation, especially if you are someone like you who has created a lot of things and are successful, it's like people almost project that expectation onto you. And it's like, wait, wait, wait right. a second. Let me just acknowledge where I am. And if I never do another thing, I've done enough, you know, yeah. and this needing to drive and do, and I don't just think it's in the big cities. I think it's pervasive because of the internet, because of social media and everybody putting right. their highlight reel on Facebook and Instagram and everything else that's out there is everybody feels like they're not doing enough. They don't have enough. They're not skinny enough. They're not doing enough. They don't have enough money. We live in a very not enoughness culture instead of a culture of gratitude and abundance. I think that has to be one of my favorite quotes from 2016. This expression that we have to stop being human doings and start being human beings. Yes. And we also have to start wearing busyness as this badge of honor. Okay, people. The last interview we're going to look back on is with a man who is the total opposite of most of the interviews we covered today. He requires very little sleep, he says, and yet still very successful. Hal Elrod came on the show earlier in the year, episode 438, and his story is just magical. He's the award-winning author of The Miracle Morning. It's one of the highest rated books on Amazon. He actually once died and lived to tell the tale. So he's really not human to begin with, if you ask me. For that story, go back and listen to his interview if you haven't yet, episode 438. But right now we're going to revisit an excerpt about how he wakes up most mornings at 3.30 a.m. 
He starts his day. He's very productive. He gives advice to everybody else how we can all, too, have miracle mornings and not necessarily get up that early. I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's listen. Right. I make tea. I brush my teeth. How much sleep do you get, though, when you wake um, up? Six hours. I typically go from, uh, I sleep from 9.30 p.m. to 3.30 a.m. And just to be clear for everybody listening, it's so funny. Like when I first started doing the Miracle Morning before it was ever a book, it was just my own ritual. Um, I would post on Facebook, you know, up at 3.30 for my Miracle Morning. And after doing that for like six months, someone goes, yeah, your Miracle Morning, I've seen your posts, really inspiring, but I could never wake up at 3.30. And I, I, I go, Oh, you think it's waking up at 3.30? <laughs> and I realized how many, you know, thousands of people think that they have to wake up at 3.30 to do their miracle morning. That's not it at all, you know, so. Um, that's just but, you. Uh, that's just me. I'm, I'm extreme. Like, yeah, I, I'm extreme. So as the guy that created it, I just kept like going, how early could I go? How much, how much juice Maybe I don't I have squeeze? to sleep at all. Yeah, yeah Maybe exactly. I could become nocturnal after all. morning in the evening. I'll just, I'll just start at like 11.30 p.m. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, how, how early is waking up before? until it's like the day before, you know? Um, but, uh, anyway, so yeah. So, so for me, normally I, I go through these six practices, the miracle mornings made up of the six, you know, most timeless personal development practices known to man or woman. Um, and I, they're organized into a, a nice little acronym. Thanks to my wife and the thesaurus. It's the savers, silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. So meditation to journaling and everything in between. Um, and, and doing that every morning and anywhere from, you know, 30 to 60 minutes is what most people do their miracle morning for me. Um, uh, I do a full hour and some people do it as little as six. There's a whole chapter in the book on the six minute miracle morning. And it's literally, how do you do it? You know, on those days where you're really busy, uh, rather than making it all or nothing, how could you actually squeeze it into this really legitimately effective six minute practice every day? So it's every, whatever works for people. Well, that was a nice walk down memory lane talking about health, wellness, sleep, lack of sleep. Listen, it's important to take care of yourself. That's the bottom line, right? And when you take care of yourself, you can take care of your money. You can take care of other people. And regardless of what kind of person you are, I hope you take the time to at least do what you need to do to feel refreshed, to refuel this week. It's our last chance in 2016. So make it a good one. You deserve it. I'll be back here on Wednesday for our last installment of our 2016 highlights. On Wednesday, we'll be talking about the best advice we had around investing on the show. Don't miss out. Until then, I hope your day is so money. 